Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey everybody, this is the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your girl, Jessie Mae Peluso. How you doing? How you living? How you loving? What's new? What's old? What's crackalackin'? Oh my god. Someone, excuse me, I just burped. Someone said that to me and I thought I was the only person who said, what's crackalackin'? I realize how sometimes you say different phrases and it really can isolate the decade that you peaked. (laughs) Mine was clearly the 90s, but I'm still hot and I'm still working with what I got. So let Brad Pitt know. Thank you guys so much for your weekly listenership and support. Tell your friends, check out the podcast. Let them know I'm here. Let them know I am available. I am the friend they didn't know that they needed. Um, we are improving things left and right. We've got upgrades happening. I have the release date, the premiere date for my Netflix show, but I can't tell you until for like another couple weeks, which is so annoying, but I get it. So my Netflix show will be coming out, let's just say maybe in July. So look out for that. Also, connect with me on YouTube. I am on YouTube. Our videos for the podcast post there. We are getting to the point where now we're posting the podcast on Tuesdays and the videos will be available on Wednesdays. So look for those dropping in the mornings and please like and subscribe to the YouTube page, Jesse May Peluso, youtube.com forward slash Jesse May Peluso. If you can't get enough of me, you can find me on YouTube. And as always, you know, just keep it, keep it cute, keep it correct and leave a review for our podcast. You know, there's a couple questionable ones. I'm going to be honest. A couple of you were capital C-U-N-T's, but I, I appreciate your honesty. Let's just try and keep it cute, you know? Maybe ask yourself, have I had a sandwich before I write this review? Have I had a bad day, you know, before I write this review? Before I write this review, did I get fired? And then assess the situation and then leave me a review after you sort of situate your life. But again, I'm open to constructive criticism. Uh, I'm just more open to people who enjoy the podcast. And speaking of enjoying the podcast, this episode features my brother from another mother, the host of the Honeydew podcast, girl dad himself, Mr. Ryan Sickler. Sharp Tongue Podcast. Beep, 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 You're listening beep. to the Sharp Tongue Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse May Jessie Peluso. May. It's a personal 
look. Well, it's not really a look because it's a podcast. I'm already fucking this up. This is kind of like a verbal comedy diary. A deep look into the crevices of my mind. It's going to get dirty. You might cry. You'll probably laugh. Hopefully you'll laugh. The whole point is for you to laugh, but you also might cry. I talk about my family. I talk about farts. farts. I talk about love, loss, comedy, how hard it is to make it in this biz. I'm a fucking professional. Each week it's something different. Sometimes I have a guest host. Sometimes it's going to be a movie companion episode. Sometimes I just ramble about the bullshit I dealt with the week before. You never know what you're going to get. It's raw, uncut, and funny. It's me. Oh, what are you drinking? Is it a course? It is not my Coors Pure today. The only alcohol beer I drink is uh, Coors Pure, but this is uh, just some unsweetened iced tea right here. Real unexciting. Is shit. it really? Is is the only drink you drink really Coors Light? Pure? Only beer. Only beer. beer. Mm-hmm. Are you a liquor person at all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, I do. I really like tequila. Look, I'm gonna Ooh, try this. Ooh, what's your I tequila? Really like tequila? Well, I like okay. I dated a girl years and years ago that worked at a tequila bar. And when she grabbed the top shelf shit and gave it to me, that's when I was like, oh, this is what good tequila is. Not the shit I'm grabbing that says tequila on the bottle. I thought you were going to say this is what having good dick is getting the good tequila. Because if she went if she went on the on the on the rung thing, like got you just like regular just rack tequila. Listen, we were dating. If she would have got me rack tequila, it would have been rack pussy and I would have been out of it. You know what I'm saying? Rack it's pussy. Top sh- not at Coachella. Not at Coachella. <laughs> top shelf all the way. Girl. Wait, can I tell you? Can I can I confess something to you? Yes, please. Okay, people are probably like, okay, they're I know they're in the same side of town. I know they're both in LA. <laughs> Why aren't they three miles apart? I would have gladly come over. I don't I don't have the capability. <laughs> I don't have the capability. I feel like I can step out front and yell at you and you'd be like, what's up? Yeah. I don't even remember how to facilitate an in-person podcast. And my my producer is in like Minnesota. So it wouldn't even really that I don't even think that that would help me at all. So I have resorted to telling all my friends that I have to do it remotely still. <laughs> I could seriously pull up out. I could sit on your deck and do this. I know. That's why I just need to get into From that my studio. Phone. I need to already just be in that studio. It's that's right there available. Somewhere. I know. And that would be, I've got to say, um, I've had an outpouring of love and messages from your podcast. And I know you know that. Um, obviously. As you should, by the way, is what I want to interrupt to say. Oh, that's As sweet. you should. I, it's interesting when you start comedy, um, there's such pressure to like, you got to kill it. You know, there's so much ego around it. And it's like, well, I killed it. You know, it, it, and when you start to do it for a while and life starts to happen and you slow the fuck down because life forces you to slow down and you open up and you go deep, that's when people start to resonate. That's when people start to reach out and go, I went through this shit. I'm going through this now. I'm, you know, I've gotten so many messages from people who are like, this is my life right now. And I needed to hear this. I couldn't this. believe that. I couldn't believe how many people were like, right now, this moment, 
I'm doing this right now. I'm in this right now. This battle's happening in my home. Like I couldn't believe. And, and then to also learn, cause you're right. I, it never dawned on me that getting old, it wasn't natural just to lose your mind. I mean, I've seen old people that don't even wear glasses and I'm like, God damn good for you lady. But uh, yeah, you're right. Cause it, we've, we've been conditioned to believe all oh, grandpa's getting old. He's senile. He doesn't yep. know what he's doing, but you're right. The mind shouldn't just rot like that and change who you are. It's uh, I couldn't believe how many people are going through that right now. It's insane. And it's, it's scary how, um, how many Americans are affected by it. It's scary. Women are two thirds more likely to contract. I didn't know that either. Diagnosed. You guys are more likely to have heart attacks too. Yeah. We live longer and maybe we should switch that scenario. You know, I think we're doing too much. I think equality is really fucking up our health. <laughs> like, I don't if care, we would have just guys, stayed home, you push human beings out of your vaginas and then you get fucking Alzheimer's and fucking heart attacks. <laughs> it's really not fair. That's not it's a not. that's not and a good contract. Dick, we just get to pop dick pills when we're older and <laughs> do whatever the fuck we want with it. You guys, you know what's so fucked up about men? Is like I think both genders or however you identify, you can have comebacks. You can have second, third chances. But for some reason, men can start families at like 70. I know, like Mick Jagger and those guys are, I'm like, you just you just had a kid. Yeah. You're 82. Like, <laughs> you know? um, the only but- thing you can do at that age is just give life. That's it. Because you're not going to be around long enough to even have any kind of meaningful relationship with your kid. Yeah. You have a kid in your 70s. 70s. Seven, that, that happens. And also you get really young girlfriends. Like it's... And, and I wonder, like, do you think being a man, that that sort of reality is tied into the fact that it's been somewhat of a man's world for so long? Like, do you think because, you know, it's been look, that all way? All you have to do is look at the shit show planet Earth is to know that this has been a man's world. <laughs> That's all you got to do. Okay. So, um, I, I look, you're right. I don't know what it is because so many women have said the same thing. You know, uh, they, they say men get more distinguished. That's what they right. say. Well, but and women become witches. Well, <laughs> warthogs. <laughs> no, Coming out from under our bridges. <laughs> I feel like maybe we look distinguished because of the gray hair. Does it look? I know a lot of gray haired motherfuckers that are assholes and pieces of shit and still, still getting their mom to write fucking sign off on their credit. Okay. I know plenty of those dudes. All right. You, know, you look like you look like a really healthy Santa Claus. <laughs> I'll take that shit. Saint Nick, y'all. <laughs> I got I got my coal on ready, girl. <laughs> I stays ready. My coal stays. My coal ready. is on deck, bitch. There's <laughs> uh, my coal bag right here. Um I I'll take that. I um I want to know though, like where those old look because i've always it's funny i've always said i would never have sex with a senior citizen you know my age now but then i saw sophia loren and i think it was grumpier old men i was oh my god and she was in her 70s was she i i know it was at least 60s or 70s but yeah i was jane fonda whoa sophia loren for me just was ageless and i wonder if the, those women that that age that way and still look that way, 
if they do go, like I know Demi Moore went and pulled young guys and shit. That's right. She got Ashton about, Kutcher. Yeah, but I'm talking about not 40s, 50s. I'm talking about 60s. Can I want to see where those women are that are pulling those young 20 year olds? The opposite of what we're talking about with men and women. Now they're, they're at not Matt Rife's house. Family. <laughs> They're not gonna they could adopt, you know, but that the, the, there's cobwebs all up inside that shit. You know, they're at low-key comedy shows. Low-key comedy shows, yeah. Bringers. <laughs> you know, I wonder that too. Like, it's it's just not as common. I mean, you think about like polyamorous. Like Tina Turner right now, let's say. Right. She's not out there fucking and maybe she is on the quiet. If she is, good for her. Good for her. Good for fucking him too. And maybe good that's what they him. do. You know, that's what I'm saying. Women yeah, are better about him. It. Yeah, good for him. Fuck She's yeah. still beautiful. I would be all over Tina Turner right now. I mean, think about the skills attained at that level, at that age, like what you've learned to do. Oh, and, and also with Lord. your own body. I mean, 20 oh. year old, my 20 year old self, I was putting teeth on dick and I had no idea how to take care of myself. <laughs> putting them on it. <laughs> yeah, just. I looked like a Muppet. Looked like a Muppet whose somebody's hand left. I was like, (laughs) just a just Just an unused Muppet. But you're I was right. gonna ask you a it takes question. decades. It takes decades, decades of, of loving yourself to figure out what gets you there. And yeah. is it the same for a guy? Like I know as a woman, you know, coming living in this society, and obviously you know my story, your listeners know what I've come from. Learning to love yourself is fucking that's a journey. That's an emotional roller coaster. It really journey. is because it started for me. I want to say this, by the way, going back to you getting all the love that you should get. Um, it's not because, you know, we're not comedians because we've had wonderful lives. You know what I mean? We're not, we haven't been these bouncy, lucky, jovial people our whole lives. Like, hey guys, let me fucking tell you about the wonderful life I've lived in this hilarious way you can relate to. No, no. Do you guys like apple pie and sunshine? (laughs) Did your mom give you hugs all the time? (laughs) Did your mom not move the neighbor's daddy into your hands? (laughs) Well, pull up a chair. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't come from a happy place. It's the product. So anyway, um, yeah, well, for me, I was I grew up Catholic. So already the whole. Don't touch yourself. Don't masturbate. You'll burn in hell. You already have to get over that fear and that, um, what would you, it's not, uh, what am I looking for? Guilt and Guilt. shame and all that that they throw the on shame. top of you. I got a battle. For, you know, my erection was just there. And my <laughs> erection didn't give a fuck. My erection was like, you can tie Jesus to this if you want. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but we're going to be getting up. Okay. I we smell a tour poster. <laughs> I smell a tour poster. I smell cancellation. Let's <laughs> go for cancellation. Out front marching and shit. We our goal should be to try to get canceled. <laughs> if America cancels us, <laughs> then everyone's gone. I mean, if if yeah. you get canceled, it it would just be like I I'm throwing in the towel, really. Well, and it makes me think of a question I wanted to ask you because yes. I know. Um, we were talking about your podcast. 
do you feel because you have so many guests who are on with such heavy backgrounds and you guys go deep with all your guests it is it overwhelming because i'm sure you also get flooded with messages is it overwhelming for you to read those and do you feel a responsibility now because of how many people are affected by the topics in the subject matter I um I don't feel responsibility for um the subject matter because I feel responsible for giving people a platform to talk about their subject matter if that makes any sense. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's your story. I'm listen, I literally am there to listen and ask questions and try to understand and mostly in situations I haven't been in obviously your situations um from the horrible things that happened to you growing up to also, I don't, my dad died when I was 16. I, I know it sounds weird to say this, but I don't have to worry about an aging parent that I have to put in a possibly a home or give care to, or, or move in, or, you know what I mean? My dad died. So I have always, I've always thought about my friends now who do have to take care of their parents or if a parent gets sick. And I was like, man, that's, it's, it doesn't hit you until you get older that, Oh, I don't have to, take care of this person possibly but also if something happens to me i don't have someone to take care of me so it's your story i listen i want to understand i want to learn um also it's it's a perspective thing for me too some people sit down and i know my story and i'm just like holy shit what do, what am i complaining about you know what yeah. i mean like you sit across and listen and you're like man that happened to you all at that time that age so i feel responsible to I feel responsible to let people come on and tell their stories and talk openly about their trauma. And I feel responsible for giving them a comfortable environment. Literally, I'm talking about when you and I sit in that room, that it's comfortable for you and you're not thinking about cameras and lights and whatever things going on and what that response is going to be. Um, and I've built, fortunately, uh, um, a really good fan base. I mean, they're fucking awesome. The Night Pants Nation. Night Pants Nation is the shit. And they're, they're they throw love at you. They throw love they hard. They do. And it's, I've tried to screen grab so many messages that people have sent me. Like every other day, I, I get messages from somebody who, you know, it, they're heartbreaking. They're, it's me from when I was going through whatever I was going through that they connected with. It sounds exactly like how I felt during that time. And, for me, I feel a responsibility to keep the authenticity alive from what I'm outputting. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I feel required to tap into some real shit now, even more so. I, I kind of always, you know, I've always been a raw type of comic and, and commentator and everything, but like doing things like your podcast and, you know, even like Rogan or something where we're talking about serious stuff, it it lays the ground for people like me to be able to go into that territory and know there's an audience for it and know that this is something that is beyond just telling jokes. This is yeah. allowing individuals to know they're not alone during their darkest hour. And it's also, it's not just an audience, it's support back for us. Yes. Like you don't know that I didn't know when I started this show that I was going to hear women like yourself come on and talk about being raped. I'd never in a million years thought one person would ever bring that up ever. And I've heard it a disturbing amount of times already now, which blows me away. And 
Also, we all know each other over the years. We've all worked together. We do this. But unless you open up on stage or off stage to one another, there are so many people who come on. I'm like, I didn't know that about you. I had no idea you got shot. You've been shot. Or, you know, I didn't know that you, uh, you know, whatever, you know, suffered or attempted suicide. Like, I hear all these things. I'm like, good God. So, um. I will say this, though. I love my fucking job because the people are the right people. And it's made me fall in love with comedians again, too, because there's no one that can take you (laughs) all the way up. And then right at that moment, bottom you out. And then when you're at your fucking lowest, bring you right back up again. There's nobody. It's magical. There's nobody. It really is magical. And it's so fucking healing. I can't tell you how many people have said you and Ryan Sickler together are pure magic. Like, just, we both have such a, uh, our sense of humor is is tapped into the center of our trauma as well. That's it. You get it. You totally get it. And, And look, I say all the time, you do need to sit in your shit for a little bit. You need to sit when it's bad, when times are their worst, you honestly need to take a deep breath and sit down, sit in it. Don't stand in it, sit down in it and feel what it feels like. Look around, assess it. And then get the fuck up. Don't ever fucking forget that and have that move you forward, not hold you back. You know, yeah. fear should be something that that propels you, not inhibits you. I it's really funny you that. say that. Um, do you know Leo F- Flowers? I know that name. Why do I know? He's that? a comedian and okay. um, it, he also has a podcast, a mental health podcast, a, a suicide prevention podcast, actually called okay. Before You Kill Yourself. And him and I used to live together. And he would always say to me, Sit down, Peluso. You need to sit mm-hmm. your ass down because there's so much of life. We are Tasmanian devils spinning in our own anxiety axis, mm-hmm. avoiding feeling what's really need what really needs to be felt. And you know, when you go through those moments in life, like losing your dad or whatever, it's easy to spin around it. It's easy to just act like it's not happening and occupy your time and your mind with distractions. And the thing about that is, because I also want to get into your dad a little bit, I've been doing these grief survival guide mini series on the podcast where we sort of talk about how we're processing grief and what if you it make me cry about. again, I'm going to be pissed. Oh, off. I'm going to make you cry. 100%. I, I mean, you know, you're getting me at the right time to talk about this because I am definitely going through some shit right now. Well, isn't that the way life goes sometimes is you are handed what you're ready for at the time. Um, You know, for me, I'm really good at spinning around, but I also have learned to sit my ass down and sit in my shit. And, you know, um, I'm wondering like for you, how do you, how are you able to sit in your own shit? Because I know you love your podcast and I know you love your guests and, and like, and, them being able to open up, but it's gotta be in my mind, I'm thinking it's difficult for you to find some space for yourself because a lot of that subject matter is heavy, even though they bring you up and bring you down that shit. You're, you're dealing with heavy shit on a regular basis. You're yeah, highlighting a the weekly, low lights. A weekly basis. Literally. Twice, twice a week. So first Wait, of all, I want to tell you this real quick. Okay, the Patreon me. that I do is called the Honey Do With Y'all. And it's the same thing, but with anyone out there that wants to submit their story. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you <laughs> why I love 
this, I got an email last night. The subject said, we found a rubber ass. And I haven't even responded to this girl yet. I will. But the story in summation is one of the funniest, most tragic. So her stepfather <laughs> apparently was a piece of shit. And the guy collapsed in front of her. She was like 10. And her little her stepsister, like his daughter, was about the same age. And she said, I just remember seeing my mother give him CPR and his purple face. And it stuck with me. So we got scared and we ran into the bedroom. We climbed under my mom's bed. And she said her sister started screaming that there was their stepfather's body part was under the bed. And like, what are you talking about? And they went under and they pulled out a rubber ass. A fuck that, butt? But they're 10. So they didn't know it was a fuck butt. Well, they thought it was Uncle Tony's fuck they butt. Just, they just thought it was a funny joke ass thing. They didn't realize this guy came in it, which she says <laughs> later, you know. <laughs> so these two 10 year old girls find this moment of levity and they start laughing and they're like, oh my God, it's a butt. And they take it to the living room no. where everyone is. No. And his mom starts crying harder. Their mom takes him to the bedroom and she goes, now again, pretend we have no context and our mother <laughs> screams, how dare you? Do you know how embarrassing it is to show everyone that your husband would rather fuck a fake ass than you? And she said, we didn't know. I was howling at these two little 10-year-old girls oh, at this funeral. At a, oh, no, at not the fuck butt. They grabbed this fuck butt and brought oh, it out. <laughs> I got to say, as a woman, I'd rather you fuck a fuck butt than <laughs> my cousin. That's true. You know, I'd rather that fake silicone ass that's just that than a fake silicone ass inside so, of a human body. While that might be terrible, <laughs> I can't wait to fucking listen to that. I can't wait. I can't. Here's what it really is, Jesse May. It's I can't wait to hear your take on your trauma. That's really what it is. It's yeah. not. I don't I don't just laugh at people. I, I genuinely find moments to laugh with them and cry with them, whatever it is. So, OK, I wanted to just get that out of the way. OK, uh, that's I, I, I think that fuck butt story was fucking pivotal. I can't wait. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. I You say is it, yes, I, it is heavy sometimes, but I can find you carve space out for yourself that balance it. Yeah, you know, my my daughter always grounds me. I'm playing shit like, I mean, nonstop she's doing my nails. Nonstop she's putting makeup on my face. I'm doing hair. We're playing hide and seek. I'm taking her oh fishing. We're doing, oh. you know, all those things. So that grounds me. Um, and now it took me, fucking I'm 48, I work for myself. So I, I'm making myself find time for myself. Work out. That's good. I it's still, vital. I journal all the time. Um, if I'm not in therapy, I'm journaling, I'm doing something to make my mind uh, better. I know people are probably listening to journaling and they're like, oh, what does that do? The I'll simple tell you, I do the five minute journal. That's yeah. the actual journal I do. And it's just positivity. And the more I started writing exercise, 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 boom, here comes me getting out and exercising. I've lost 10 pounds. I'm eating better. I'm you know, now the gyms are back open. I want to get my new membership and go back and start working out and hiking again and just getting out and feeling better. Yeah, it's, it's really just a matter of getting your mindset in the right place. And, you know, the fact that you have a daughter, that is a really grounding factor. Um, you know, I want to talk about your dad a little bit because I know a little bit about what happened. But do you care sharing when you were 16? What what caused your father to pass away? 
So it's funny. Um, I'll tell you what they said then, because almost 20 years later, I find out it wasn't that because it's something that affected me. So my dad had had a heart attack right before Thanksgiving in uh, 1989, and I was driving him. So the the day before this, now I, I have a twin brother, and the reason that's important is because we both would could drive. But my dad came to me and said, I want you to take school off tomorrow. I want you to drive me to the doctors. And I didn't, at the time, I still don't know why he asked me to drive him. But he must not have been feeling well at the time. And I said, okay. And he's like, we're going to pick grandma up on the way, which was his mom. That was grandma. And then we're all going to go down to the city and go to Johns Hopkins for this doctor's appointment. All right. So I drive him down. And... um I've talked about this before. People still shit on me all the time. So I'm a stubborn 16-year-old, and we're, we, we get to the doctor's office. And the doctor says, okay, you are having a heart attack right now. Now, up until that point, all of us thought a heart attack, I'm say all of us in my family, thought a heart attack was the moment you clutch and drop. Yep. Not realizing that the numbness and the, the, the sweating, and the, that's, they're not symptoms. That's, you're having, a, those are the early stages of a heart attack. You're right. having a heart attack. So the doctor's like, you're having a heart attack right now. You need to get over to the hospital. He'd have called ahead. They were going to be waiting with a little wheelchair. They're going to take him right in and, you know, get him into surgery or do whatever it needed to be done to take care of him. So he, the doctor's like, you got to drive your dad over. <laughs> to the hospital. I'm like, all right. And we're in this little 1989s before I got mine or 87 little Honda Civic. Oh, yeah. My grandma's in the back. My dad's up front and he's in pain. He's it's hurting him. And uh, I go, all right, we're we're one light away. And I go, this is the left. And my dad's like, this is not the left. My dad grew up in the city. I'm like, nah, dad, this is the left. I've been here enough. He's like, it's not the left, Ryan. I'm like, this is the left. He's like, it's not the left. I'm like, dad, this is the left. And my dad goes, and this is the type of man my father was. He's having a heart attack. He goes, okay, take it. And I make it and immediately went, I mean, as I'm turning, I already know it's the wrong left. And I go, this is the wrong left. And my dad is pounding the fucking dash because he's in so much pain. He's having he's a fucking pissed. heart attack. He let me be wrong. Oh, God, it's so stubborn, My literally. Grandma's in the back screaming that her son, this is her son that's having a heart attack. And we got to go around the block again. And I am running every light. I'm punching it. I get up to the front. They take my dad up. And um, I remember, you know, I, I, my grandma, I'm like, you get the fuck out. You go. Just go with him. She's a mess. This is her baby, you know, and. I park the car and I go up and they don't let you see him for a while. And then I got to call my brothers. They're in school. Got to call the school and tell them dad had a heart attack. We're at the hospital. Got to call people. And I just remember that night, you know, my dad was Superman to me. My dad was my hero. My dad was just a man's man. And, and then just seeing someone in a hospital bed, just lifeless and helpless and just out of it with tubes all shoved and beeping and, I just broke down looking through that window like, man, what the fuck is going? Because also I'm 16. I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, you, know? you don't understand the concept. And, and is he dead? Is this it? Is he going to come out? Are you guys going to say this is whatever? So 
He stays in the hospital for a couple of days. It's Thanksgiving weekend. So when he gets out, my Aunt Marguerite, which was my grandmom's sister, we are all a big extended Italian family. She's my great aunt. So um, she's like, don't drive all the way home. We're right around the corner. Just come here. We'll do Thanksgiving here with everyone this weekend. Great. So we do that. And then that Sunday night, we drive back to our place. Now, we're off Monday because of the Thanksgiving weekend. And I have a date with this girl that, honest to God, she looked like <laughs> you. She really did. Her name was Sally, and she looked like you. And I had Sally biggest, Walker. I had the biggest crush on her. No, not Walker. I know. It's, a, it's an old school thing. Sally Is Walker. Is that yours? It's, it's a, actually, it Iggy Azalea. Oh, she sampled it, it, but it's like an old, um, it's like a rhyme, nursery rhyme. Okay. Yeah, but we can we'll call her Sally Walker for, just right, for so the sake. Yeah, Sally Walker is the, like she's one of the prettiest girls in school. When I finally got a fucking date with this girl, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> You're like, Dad, can you hold on the on the heart attack? I'm for trying real. to get a little for little nookie here. Why trying yeah. to get a little Sally Walker nook. Now, meanwhile, when my dad was in the hospital, because he was in the hospital for like a week or two. There were two girls who had sex with me and they uh, were angels. Let me ask you, did you, did you use your dad's ailment to get some pee? They knew, they knew everything. Like they were close to my dad. They knew. And we were that age. I'm 16. And the one girl took me, I was, we were just hanging out at her house and the one girl walked over. She took my hand. She took me upstairs to her uh, room. Uh, her mom's gone, and she just had sex with me. And I was like, what the fuck? Sympathy and I got to tell you, mm-hmm, I've had three of those. And then the <laughs> same time, the next week, her friend, her really good friend, and they didn't even care because we were I wasn't dating any of these girls or anything. She fucking took me out in her car and had sex with me. And This should be a business. I, I want to be a madam sympathy for pussy? Sympathy Puss. Oh, man. You just have a van. Should. It's kind of like a Fuzzy. mobile pet grooming. The bag bus, but it's for fucking sympathy yeah. fuzzy. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the hot maids, but we come over and we clean your soul with our pussy holes. Oh, my God. Listen, you can wrap up comedy right now. I'm not even kidding. You can wrap up comedy right fucking now. I'll just it get all the Russians rap. coming over to oh, L.A. who want to be models over, in front girl. of painted walls. I'm like, hold sympathy on. Puss- the sympathy puss mobile. So I always felt guilty. I always had this, like, I, sh- I should have been at the hospital seeing my dad tonight. But instead, I had sex with this really cute girl. And I can say, as a, a father, if that was the case, go do that. Go live your fucking life. I, you know what I mean? My dad wouldn't have gave a shit. I'd have just been there bugging him going, what's this cord do? What, what happens if I pull this switch, Dad? Like, leave the shit alone, man. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I would be doing. Like, what if I hit this? Can we flatline? Um, let me get those tubes. All right, all right, all right. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right, right I see what these what do. What are we paying for you? Let me get a little bit of that expensive ass eyes with you, Dad. <laughs> what kind of drugs you got? Let me get. Let me, <laughs> let me have those. Let me, let me get that saline drip. Let me get hands. You're just Everything. opening up his yeah. vitamin liquid. Shaking them around and popping them. Ooh, they're tart. Mm, Jello's not so bad. Mm, mm. So I had the I had those girls do that when I was in high school, and that blew me away that anyone would be so, honest to God because we never did. Well, the one girl I did I, a few more times after that, but the one girl was once, and I knew what it was about, and I knew why, and she still was sweet. And we still hung out after that. It was so nice, 
I was like, Man. do you have their numbers? I'm just wondering if they're local they're and on I can get them in the van. They're on Facebook. I'm going to get them in the van. I'm like, I know what <laughs> you did in the summer. Van. I know what you did last summer. <laughs> I can see you pulling up now. Skin with smoke coming out, lighting them up and out of there. It's Simply the car from Kill Bill. It's, it's yeah. the pussy wagon. <laughs> Sympathy pussy wagon. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Listen to me. It would be a trillion dollar business. I'm serious. I am too. You'd be arrested quickly. But it would be a trillion dollar business. Would I? I'm not sure. I think if I get homeless women, I can get all the rich people in town to vouch for me. All it takes is one influential man to lose his mom or something, and it's going to be legal. It's going to be legal. Wait, did your dad? So wait, did, did your dad so survive through your sympathy? He survived post? through that. Yes. So that night, we get home Sunday night, and um, we got this phone call from my friend's parents, and he, my friend Brian, had a, a remember Sally Walker's tomorrow night, but tonight my dad gets out of the hospital, and gets a call. We get a call that we're now being blamed for this this party that was thrown at our friend's house, and we're like. Why the fuck are we were there? But why are we being blessed? It's not even our house. Like he threw the party, whatever that comes into play a little later. So um, my dad was disappointed. He was disappointed that, that you got put. No, that we got. Yeah, that, that we were being somehow attached to being blamed for this underage drinking party at our good friend's house. And he knows their parents and shit. You know what I mean? Like we all were, were tight. So um I don't know why I went to bed early that night. I never went to bed early. And I believe that the reason I'm still a night owl and comedy is in my blood now is because of that trauma. I don't go to bed early, but I went to bed early that night and I didn't have school the next day. I just had Sally Walker. And I don't know why, but when I walked down the little hallway, I turned around and I looked back at my dad. He's laying on like the couch watching the TV. And then I went to bed. And I woke up in the morning and my little brother, who was 12 that day, was shaking me awake, saying, I don't It was his birthday? Well, he, my dad ends up uh, getting buried on his 13th birthday. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. Yeah, I know. It's a lot of... <laughs> a lot of... I'll tell you what, that sympathy pussy would have really come in handy all throughout this shit. <laughs> I'm telling This you. is what older women should do. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not for 13-year-olds, but... No. <clears throat> so... Oh, my God. Excuse me. Um, we wake up, and my dad is, like, laying... Uh, the best way to describe it is if you were standing next to your bed, and the bed's behind you, and you just laid back. So his feet are kind of... One leg's on the bed, one sort of off, but he's laying back on the bed. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And... Um, I remember looking and I re- I learned later. So if you take, this is the best way to describe this is uh, my dad's laying on his back. This is his body. And if you were to draw a line right through and cut the body in half this way, horizontally from the middle of his body down was all maroon and wine, which we learned later that he had passed and the blood settled in his body. So mm-hmm. he had been gone for some time. How long? I don't know. Never heard him yell. Never heard him scream. Probably guessing he wasn't feeling well. So he went to lay down and then had a heart attack and died. So we go in 
He's got a little bit of blood on his tongue and his eyes are open and our hearts are beating so fucking fast that when you're listening, you can't honest to God, you can't tell if it's yours or his, but you know, it's not his, you know, his heart's not going. And, um, my brother went and got the neighbor. who was a UPS driver. Shout out to UPS, Baltimore Hub, primary one, Joe Avenue. And he came over and he was young and he was traumatized. That poor dude. We've never talked to him again. <laughs> I got to ask homeboy at some point. And he is, imagine you're just a young upstart couple. You're in your 20s. You just got your wife and you bought that suburb house. And now you want to raise a family. You're a truck driver for UPS. And the three Sickler brothers grab your ass out of nowhere on a Monday morning, bring you in. And you're Our looking dad's at dead dad in their fucking bed. And he Why was like, did you, Guys, was your mom not there? I don't know. My mom had left our family. So she's gone. My dad's a single dad. And we're living with him at the time. Your, and, um, your mom was out of the picture? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, we'll, we'll jump back to that. So, um. Oh my, my heart this is breaking dude, for like, you. He's calling 911. You know, everyone's doing everything. And I just knew. I knew it was over. And I closed my father's eyes for the last time. And then again, the Catholic upbringing. So now they tell us, like, look, we can't send. We're not going to send an ambulance because your father's passed. We're sending the coroner. Oh, my God. You know, it's been long enough. There is no chance of revival. An ambulance isn't coming. Someone to take the dead bodies coming. But first, a priest is coming to give last rites. So I have to call my mom because my brothers are beside themselves. They don't want to do it. She's at work. My mom and dad did not have a great relationship. My mom cheated on my dad. My mom was awful, abusive to her kids. And she just starts wailing at work. So one of her co-workers brings her out. My uncle, my dad's only brother, we call him, he comes. The lady who we considered our mom and her husband, they come over. Like, everyone's coming over, and they can't fucking believe it. Because also, they're my dad's age. You know what I mean? So yeah. they're walking in, looking at this guy that's their age, and they're like, he's fucking dead. We better we better go to that vacation. Mm-hmm. Better, better get book your our life vacation. In. We better pick out our teak coffin now. Yep. Now. Wicker. Make sure it's wicker. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going. It's just going I think yeah. that's just branches. I think it would just be cheaper Listen, to close. We have two branch. businesses, Sympathy Pussy and Wicker Caskets. All right. That's what we do over here. You're coming or you're going. You know it's going to be a little noisy when we lower you into the ground. It's a little crickety. There's a lot of snapping branches. If you fall through, don't worry. We'll still set it on top. All Some right? woodland spiders might crawl out, and the Blair Witch also will es- escape the coffin right before we lower it. Oh my god! I didn't know that your mom was MIA. How? What age were you when that happened? Well, my mom, my mom cheated on my father around third grade. They sort of like stuck it out through fifth, but it was very tumultuous. My mom would leave and just go stay wherever. I don't even know where the fuck she would go. Um, and then when they split in sixth grade, my dad, so we had a, that was the, that was the great house. That was the house before everything went to hell. You know what I mean? And, um, then my dad moved in with his mom until he got his shit straight, right? Fresh from the divorce. And we moved in for a year with our mom. Um, so we could stay in our school district, but after the year and we lived in this fucking, I'm telling you, girl. We lived in a hall. I don't know if you've ever lived in a place like this, but it was a hallway. It was a hallway that had rooms cut off of it. That's all it was. 
Okay. It was a, a tiny little square for a living room, a tiny little square for a kitchen. And then it was a hallway and it had one, two, three bedrooms and a bathroom, but all cut off of the so hallway. You guys were in ISIS is what you're telling me. Yes. You were nice. And we lived there for a year. And then my parents decided they were going to try to work it out. Okay. Which all comes back into play for me in my <laughs> life. Um, and um, that did not go well. <laughs> it never, go it well. rarely does. It truly I mean, rarely, rarely does. Half of up and down bullshit. Um, I remember hearing my parents fight. I remember my dad. Well, I will never forget hearing my dad scream in the middle of the night. You haven't had sex with me in six months. And I thought I never left my mind. That never left my mind. Did your dad have a fuck butt under the bed? He had two of them. <laughs> he did not have fuck oh. no. <laughs> I'm like, two. damn. No, my dad got a girlfriend right away after that shit, though. But uh, which is, is funny. Your, so did your mom um, in your life now? just recently in the last handful of years, but all because of my daughter. So my mom decides she wants to be divorced and not have kids, basically not be married, whatever. So my, my parents, dog's having a nightmare. Carlin. Hey, listening to story. You're not in the shelter anymore. You'll get on the honeydew podcast and you can talk all about your abuse. <laughs> Bark Sorry. All about it, bro. He's had, he's had a rough upbringing. We'll, we'll have him on your podcast. We've been there. Yeah. <laughs> So my parents go to court for custody and all that stuff. And um, I, I talked to my mom about this recently. I don't go. I don't go because my whole life, since I was four, my mom has told me she hates me. I'm a loser. I'm nobody. I'm a piece of oh shit. I'm garbage. My mom is physically, mentally, emotionally abusive, beats the shit out of me. And I'm just that one for her. Oh, my God. My Ryan. younger brother is her favorite. And then my twin brother is... Take it or leave it. It's like so, Goldilocks of abuse. Mm -hmm. So we go to. How did you they, not turn into a fucking serial killer, by the way? I, listen, I got time. I've got time. <laughs> People are getting on my motherfucking nerves. I got time to fuck this all up. So um, they go to court and I go to the beach with friends because I don't need to hear my mom tell me she doesn't want me. My mom's mantra is I don't want this fucking kid. Her whole life. So my dad goes with my grandmom and my Aunt Marguerite, the same, those three, and my two brothers. And then my mom goes and brings her girlfriend. And they get up in front of a female judge. And um, my dad tells the judge, look, I want my kids. I love my kids. Uh, this is 1989. Um, but if you're just going to give her custody because she's their mom, then I think the best thing for them is for them to be together. I don't think they should be separated because they need each other if they're not going to be with me because she don't even really want. Them. So then the judge asked my mom and my mom straight up says, I want Todd. That's my younger brother. Um, Derek, my twin can come if he wants. And I don't want Ryan. And um, this judge did what you did. She was a mom. I believe she may have been a grandmom. And she told my mom in all the years of family court, I have never heard a mom say she doesn't want her kids. So that judge uh, gave my father full custody and made my mom pay him child support in 1989 as a fuck you to her. You don't hear that now. We're in I just got chills. Yeah. You don't hear that shit now. No, and she made a point out of that woman. It's it's. It's so, 
It's so fucked. It's against all mother nature, everything. It doesn't. All of it. Yeah, it feels so... I'm not even a mom, and I don't understand. She'll hate seeing this. She hates I mean, it. you must have been a shitty kid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I must have been. I must have been. I'm the second twin. Who the fuck wants that guy? You know Did you come I mean? out after? <laughs> yeah. Listen, oh, yes. I tell my brother sense. all the time, I'm older. I was conceived first. I was in there first. I just kicked you the fuck out to get eight minutes of fucking silence. Four, excuse me, four minutes. My whole life, my whole life, I've had four minutes of alone time. There's been someone with me my whole existence. Okay, listen, that needs to be the beginning of your book. Whatever book you write. That's four minutes of alone time. I've written a beginning sentence. You like that? I think it's just, it's intriguing. And it's like, how is that? even possible or or my mom didn't want me <laughs> one out, two out of three so here's what i did about <laughs> one and a half out of three ain't bad the other one was that you can come if you want you know I you can sleep on the couch i so that's what happened and then we're like yes finally the band is formed. We got dad and the three of us. It's the guys. My dad's working double shifts at what's Ronald Reagan Airport now, but National back in the day, working for Pan Am. He's a crew chief there. And we're living real life like you did. It's like, look, I'm not always going to be here. You know, I remember talking about this with Pete Holmes. He's like, oh, my God. My mom was like, I'll always be there for you. And I'll give you hugs. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, no, we were conditioned that life's not always like that. Take care of yourself. Do the right thing, whatever. And then very shortly after, maybe a year later, my dad dies. So now we're in the room. The priest comes in, does the fucking last rites, and then they ask us to go step outside on our deck so that they can put the body in a body bag and carry it through the house so we don't have to see it. And... I couldn't help myself. I looked through and I watched these guys carry this leather fucking black bag with my dad's dead body in it out of the house. And I'm just like, and I remember my brother, my twin brother laying on my dad and hugging him and screaming, what's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to us? And I remember saying, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Just like this. But then I walked to my fucking room and I laid down on my little twin bed because I shared a twin bed with my brother. I mean, shared a room, not a twin bed. That would be. That's we for the not, second episode. We were not that poor. And uh, I just laid down on face down and I, I, I screamed and cried louder than I probably have ever to this day screamed and cried in my life, wondering. I believed what I said in that room, but then I walked away like, oh my God. Like, that's dead. Dad is dead right there next in that room there. Mom doesn't even fucking want us. Grandmom lives fucking 30 minutes away. All we have are our friends and our high school and our sports teams. Like, are we going to have to go to another school and start all over? What's going to happen? So what happens is my mom is next of kin. So we move into this two bedroom apartment that she has. And fuck me and my two brothers from the time I'm in 10th grade until I graduate. um, We share this room, this tiny little room, the three of us. And my mom decides, I'm not going to live here. I'm just going to go stay at my boyfriend's while you kids live here. So my mom leaves us alone. Okay, now. Like the fucking Lord of the Flies? 
Yeah, we were the kids in your high school that didn't have parents. I feel how like was, were... how did she not did, did didn't like CPS come just nope. to check because of no one. So wait, she got Ooh. custody of you, and there was no checkup based off of the ruling of who got the kids. So this is what happens, right? We could we could have gone to my grandmother's, which, like I said, was a different school district, and now we don't know anybody. All we don't even have parents. All we have are our friends. So we decide the best thing for us is to stay in this high school and environment where we know everybody and we're on the soccer. I mean, I played uh, fucking soccer, baseball, basketball, wrestling, lacrosse. You know, yeah. we I needed that support and that um, community around me because the parents knew us, too. You know, they were like there were people there that wanted to help. So. My that makes mom, a difference. It did a huge difference. My mom would go to her boyfriend's and she'd stay there Monday to Saturday. She would come home on Sunday. She would do laundry for a couple hours. Then she would bounce. And that's all we would ever see her. Maybe after work one night, if she needed something, she would pull in the driveway, run in, grab something, yell at us and then take off. So my two brothers and I raised ourselves from 16. My little brother, like I said, was 13. He, my, so my dad died. <laughs> this is not funny, but it is November twenty seventh, nineteen eighty nine, and the viewings, that's my mom's birthday. Is it really? Yeah. What are the odds? That's when he dies. Um, I think it's Hendrix's birthday as well, Jimi Hendrix. Well, they're and, all um, dead. They're, they're all, all dead. fucking dead. And then there's the twenty eighth and 29th, our viewings, and we're popular enough in school. I didn't know this at the time, though, that they allowed any student that wanted to go to the funeral as an excused absence, which I thought was really a nice gesture. Because after that, the school didn't do a goddamn thing to help the Sickler brothers. OK, fuck you, Liberty High School, class of 91. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone comes and it was really nice. Um but then the 30th was my brother's birthday and the fucking funeral. So we, we, we put our dad, <laughs> we put our dad at the ground and then we went back to my grandmother's house, her child who has just been married. And everybody, everybody's eating the ham and the shit, you know, the funeral food. And then we're like, happy birthday. Oh, my God. You talk about fucked up. You talk about. Ryan, you have to write a book. You have to write a book. You really do. Like, honestly. I I just want to do it because one of my goals is to be published. I say it all the time. Me too. It's a cool thing, but I do want to write a book. We could could write our individual books in tandem and keep each other in check. We could. Because, you know, I mean, I'm literally going to have to listen back to your episodes that I was on to. Yes. Remember half of the shit that I said. So, um. One thing I want to ask you before, um there's so much to cover uh, and also there's some fan questions oh yeah that we have to get to um but there's one thing i want to ask you which is obviously hard to sort of encapsulate because there's so much grief and trauma that you've experienced but maybe more so around being one of three brothers and essentially not having any parental support your mother doesn't sound like she was much of a Support. It wasn't even there. We had no. I could listen. 
I could have killed someone if I wanted to. I could have been a drug addict if I wanted to. I could have done anything I wanted to do. I had no one to tell me no, not one person. So how did you, at that age, process <coughs> your grief? Where did you put it? <clears throat> and anger and rage. Um, I was angry so much, raged a lot. Um, I didn't smoke weed till I was 21. I'll say that. Oh, we lost him. Isn't that funny? He's like, I'll say this. And then he's gone. <laughs> to be continued next time. <laughs> Maybe he'll tap back in. Oh, my God. I mean, literally, there's like three episodes in this one. And I don't know why we're, we have some feedback. I'm sorry, guys. I don't know what we're what's going on with... Obviously, there's some technological issues. I love you were like, I'll say this, and then it cut you out. That was Liberty High School must have heard that shit. Some one of them tech nerds. Um I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna say I was asking you how ask? you process grief as a 16-year-old. You're talking about anger. the anger. I didn't smoke weed. I don't know if weed would have helped me. I didn't smoke until I was 21. And it definitely started helping me then. I think 16 might have been too early for me. I'm, I'm kind of glad. I drank, but I drank like a high school kid drinks. I, you know, I didn't realize, just talking about this yesterday too, like I eat the way some of the alcoholics tell me that on the show. Like if I have one, I'll have 10. I'm like, that's me with pizza. Mm. I don't have to eat until I fucking feel like I'm going to throw up. No, you don't have to. The same way I know that about drinking, but I don't apply it to food all the time. And I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm trying to pay attention. Anyway, um, girls, I looked for affection, for love, for any kind of anything from a girl. Because I'm telling you, I didn't get hugs. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. a, a girl hold my hand, oh my God. If you could couple skate backwards, <laughs> I, knew, I knew I was putting a finger in you. You know what I'm saying? I knew I was putting a finger in you. <laughs> Listen, the skate thing is real. The skate yeah, skill yeah. is definitely. You had that real. unbreakable comb in the back, and you were going backwards, girl. Oh shit! Y'all can play Donkey Kong. I'm going outside with Teresa. Yeah. So, food and women at 16. I mean, it's and probably not just, not just girls my age. Like my friends' moms. Were so nice to me, and no, 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 no. Oh. I'm not talking about trying to fuck them. I, I mean, was, damn, you got to. I was like, okay, well, we we no. might need. I mean, I was also 16, 17, 18, so yeah, I would be like, mm, your mom's kind of hot, but <laughs> never. But but see, moms aren't. This is what I always say. You like, fuck her for a hug and a hot meal. I would have just fucked her for a, a hug. Yeah, you just want you want someone to like I'll, bake well, you want brownies. Your car wash. I want your car wash. You um, want someone just to pet your head and like we just scratch my back. read you a book at yeah. night. <laughs> yeah. That's you want someone it. just to put a Band-Aid on you and give you Coca-Cola syrup? <laughs> That's all I needed, I swear. You realize how that might have changed my fucking whole life. But it, the, the fact that you turned out the way you turned out, and I, I've gotten similar comments where they're like, I've listened to your story, and the fact that you're not a raging whore and an angry person. I am, though. Yeah. When I'm single, <laughs> listen, when I'm single, I am very single. Okay, when I'm not, I'm not. And one of the things my my ex wouldn't say, you know, the greatest things about me about everything. But one thing she would absolutely say is definitely not a cheater. She looked for me back in the day on like Ashley Madison and all that. I'm like, 
that ain't me. I don't go on apps. If you're going to fuck around or whatever, I'm ducking and I promise you, peace. <laughs> but um, not just what I was saying is my friend's moms, not, and I mean, mom moms too, you wouldn't. I just, they would talk to me. You know, the dads yeah. were all, the dads were always busy. And the thing too, by the time I was 16, I had been through shit that my friend's parents, their, their parents were still alive. They did. They, they didn't know how to relate to me. Like how yeah. do you talk to this 16 year old kid about my, my mom and dad are coming over next week, you know, and in then, the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. And so, then a totally, totally different culture and communication style then. So my mom kicks us out when we graduate, we turn 18 in March um, my mom had a social security check that would come to that. Um, well, was supposed to come to us because we were minors and my dad passed and threw his pension, all that. So she took a PO box out so we couldn't get it. Yep. I mean, and I don't have March, any rage towards humans, but <laughs> really would like to punch your mom. I was on the phone for hours and I convinced them to send my brother and I the check because we were 18 now and she went off. So we got a couple bucks from March. Until June, because we look, we drove. She gave us twenty dollars a week. We ate fast food and pizza. She gave my little brother because he didn't drive ten. This woman was getting thousands of dollars a month. We got fifty bucks a week. Okay, and since sixteen, I've worked without a net. I, I don't. I've taken care of myself. I've raised myself. We get kicked out at eighteen. We move in with grandma, right? My dad's mom, and now everything becomes different because your grandmom's house is this. This safe haven, this special place that smells different and it smells, smells so good. It just smells like old lady love. Yes. And a little, and a little you, musty. A little musty. And then uh, once you start living there, it loses that smell and that sense of specialness. And it becomes this home. And um, you're not going to like this. But uh, after one day, my brother and I are going to community college up the street. We're sitting in the living room. And my grandmom comes out of her room and she screams, someone help me. And she falls face first on her nose, like arms to the side. And she's having a massive heart attack in front of us a year. Well, let's see. A, uh, we're 20. So a year and a half after living with her. And um, I thought that was a bottle of Jack. I forgot. It was I Whiskey is the other thing I like to drink, by the way. Um, we're gonna have to do a part two you do realize that that's fine. like we i so, did the same thing with you yeah. you did the same thing with me i'm, I'm gonna have to do a part two um so i had just become a lifeguard and i'm on the phone with 911 telling them my grandmother's having a heart attack my brother's at the top of the steps and he doesn't know what to do so i tell him you take the phone because they want to stay on with you until the yeah. you know someone gets there so this time the ambulance is coming because she's not dead. So I go to the top of the steps and I got to fucking give my grandmother mouth to mouth and try and CPR and try to save her life. And I'm doing it and I'm watching her gasp. <gasps> she's gasping. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then the paramedics get there. And I don't know if you've ever seen they they don't. They're there to save a life. They throw your furniture. They oh, grab yeah, chairs. they don't give a fuck. Oh, they're tossing shit to clear space go so they uh, administer cpr with the paddles they've got the equipment and now some color starts to come back she's looking good i'm like okay 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 we can get through this we can get through this so my brother he gets in the ambulance and rolls to the hospital with my grandmother they ask one of us to go one of us to stay back to give the report i stay back to give the report i'm putting the home back together i'm just waiting for a fucking phone call 
And then my brother, I call him and I go, what do you think? He's like, they just took her back. She's looking better. I think she's going to be okay. I'm like, all right. I go to the top of the stairs and my grandmom's fucking teeth are in the carpet. Like she fell right on her face. Her nose was black. Black as this fucking couch from breaking it. And then they call me and tell me she died. And I'm like, you gotta fucking be kidding me. Now, there's no one. Listen to me. There's no one left. We're like 20. There's no one left. Wait, wait. I have to stop you. I have there's to stop you. There's no one left. That's a good place to stop. Please. Because literally, I was not expecting hey, three podcast episodes I. in one. Ah, neither was I. So I'm literally going to have to make this a part one. That's fine. Um. And there's so many questions that people have. And if you guys are listening, um, I see your questions. Sean Bryan. Can we do questions or we don't have time for questions? Wedge Kim, we don't have time. Okay. Um, Flapjacks. Grace Stewart. Mama Bizzle. A couple questions from her. A couple questions from Grace Stewart. Um, A few fans of yours have chimed in. Uh, We will get to your questions on part two. And also, we're going to dig more. I still want to dig more into your mom and your dad and what happened after your, you found your grandma's teeth in the carpet. <laughs> I would vacuum and kept her place the way she had it. And I would hear the teeth clink up in the vacuum for months <laughs> after I was, you want to talk about trauma. Stop. I got plenty for you. Stop. I thought you were going to say you vacuumed around the teeth and kept them there. <laughs> I made a necklace out of <laughs> I made a necklace out of my grandma's broken teeth. I don't, I don't, I don't. Cherokee got the trail of broken tears. Ryan Sigler got the trail of broken tears. You got the broke veneers. (laughs) No, they were partial plates, girl. (laughs) They were partial plates. Well, these motherfuckers know where to find you, but remind them and let them know that you're going to be back for a part two. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I really would like to answer all of your questions. I love this uh, and I love your show. Thank you for having me. Uh, Ryan Sickler on all social media, ryansickler.com. Subscribe to the Honeydew podcast. And uh, if you want more, the Patreon is the Honeydew with y'all. It's only five bucks a month. Subscribe to that as well. Well, I love you, brother. And I love you. I'm going to literally text you after this and see I'm going to yell. I'm just going to go outside and yell. <laughs> Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.